This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey you, you're listening to the iFanboy Pick League podcast. It's episode 374. It's brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you, like you. I hit puberty right at this very moment. Was, that's awesome. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick League Podcast, episode 374. I am Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm a man. Joining me, are you a man? It's Paul Montgomery. Still up for debate. <laughs> and Josh Flanagan. You're like the Paul Pfeiffer of podcasting. <laughs> Did you ever notice at a certain point in the Wonder Years, Paul Pfeiffer goes through puberty, and all of a sudden he's just a tall, good-looking guy? Yes. Like he's no see. longer the gawky, equi- gawky was- awkward dude? It's like the guy in Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Let's talk about how Neville. good Paul Pfeiffer is for a while. That can't get weird. <laughs> he's tan. We, we are our fan. He's not tan. He's got olive skin. We are fanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. We read a bunch of comics. There was a lot this week. One of us picks the best one, writes about it at the website, talks about it at the podcast, along with other books and other topics of interest. Guys, Before I forgot. Get, I forgot to read them. Before we get to the show, quick reminder in the morning. This is a review show, so if you're like Paul and you didn't read your books yet, you'll be spoiled. So why not pause and come back? Oh, Unlike Paul, who is now stuck here and will be spoiled. This is, this is a big-time version of forgetting to do your homework. Josh, by some magical, mystical magical. happenstance, you had the pick of the week. You're right, Mike. All right, well, as you can hear, I started smoking in commemoration. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking nothing but whiskey. Um, we had the Hellblazer number 300, uh, the last... Of a long and proud lineage of uh, mature readers' books, which are dying, much like the manatee of Southern Florida. <laughs> Is um, that dying? Well, they're 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 endangered and they're very protected. But see, yeah. unlike the manatee, uh, there is no legislation to protect uh, books like Hellblazer uh, from True. the eternal grave and abyss. Hellblazer three hundred. Yes, <clears throat> I did say that because I knew you'd yell at me if I didn't. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so we've been. Working towards this sort of long uh, run-up to what the end of the book was going to be, and no one really knew, I think, what was going to happen. And and I read through it. Uh, basically, you know, it kind of felt like any other normal issue of Hellblazer, uh, which we've seen a million times where John is in hell or on the abyss or on the edge of death or, you know, whatever, and then he sort of tricks and claws his way back, and then at the end he's, you know, he, he winks at Satan and is like, got you again. Um, and this kind of felt like that the whole way through. Um because really, at the end of the day, it's a pretty formulaic title. It kind of always has been. Uh, for whatever reason, though, we knew the character really well, and, and it, was, it was always kind of fun. It never fell into that trap of feeling like we were just doing the same thing over and over again, at least not for me. And, um, and, and at the end of this book, uh, it was just that he – I don't actually know what happened at the end of this book. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> and, and 
you know, re- early in the day, somebody somebody tweeted at me like, can you please explain to me what happened? And I was like, I don't know. I haven't read it yet. Um, and then I, I went through it and I read it and I didn't quite understand the ending. And because I was, I, I you know, spaced out sort of my reading throughout the day, I had more time to think about it. And I it wasn't like I read it and I was like, that was it. It was perfect. That's your pick of the week. It was, I'd read that and I read my other books and I, I sort of thought about it and it, and it, it came to me more like, you know, like the end of The Sopranos, which at first you really just didn't know what to think. You were like, what the hell was that? And this was a lot like that um, in this sort of it ended and something weird happened at the end and it's hard to explain. But the more I've gone on about it, the more I've thought about it, the, the more I, I like that a lot. I like that there's not an easy interpretation. And I've I have seen people talking about it. I haven't seen this a thing that I was like, well, that's it. That's clearly what it is. Um Basically, John does find a way to get back to his his corporeal being, um, but there's been a problem with it, and he's sort of uh, he's being imbued with his own ashes, and then it sort of starts to fall apart. And I think he accepts the fact that, uh, much like the title itself, it's it's just not it's not going to happen. So he 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 fucks off and he, he leaves. Um, and and uh, Epiphany, his young wife, is sort of left to be. I think she's like the stand-in for the reader. Uh, that's yeah. sort of the way that I looked at it. And she, you know, she's she. I'll never love anyone else again. You're the best. And he's like, yeah, you know, there'll be others. It's fine. You know, there probably won't be anyone like me, but he goes on and, and I really, I feel a lot like that. You know, it, it really sucks. This is uh if, if you didn't read my review um, or you haven't ever listened to the show, this is the title. Uh, this is the series that I have been reading continuously um, for more years than any other. I've, I think since 1999, I've been reading this. I know from issue 150, I think. So half the run I've been on it. And before that I wasn't reading comics. So, um, you know, this is the. It, it, I, there's no other title that I have not dropped or got back on or gotten off at that in that time. This is, you know, the whole time of of read of uh, doing iFanboy. This is the only consistent title that I bought every single month that's come out uh, in that entire time. So, you know, it, it's it's important to me in that way. But at the same time, you know, I. It's funny because people will throw around all sorts of, you know, oh corporate comics and blah, but it's not that, dude. It doesn't sell. And at the end of the day, that's it. It wasn't that the creative team wanted to move on. It wasn't that it's, it didn't sell. They already did a, a motion picture. So, you know, at, at what point do they keep stringing it along? That it's, I mean, it's Fables not- is, an, is going to keep going because it sells a whole a right. shit ton of books. So if, mm. if, if Hellblazer sold like Fables did, you'd, you'd, you'd get more Hellblazer, yeah. but you, you're but, not. You know, end of the day, you know, they, I will say they never, they never screwed around with this book. They never right. changed uh, what it was supposed to, what it was to try to appeal to a broader audience, because I think they rightly knew that that wouldn't work. However, you know, they did take the character of John Constantine, they created a second version of him and put him over in the DCU proper, and they're going to try to make that work over there. Good luck to them, I say. Um, but well, Paul, you know, did you read this? Yes, it did. And have you? Um, read, how much Hellblazer have you read before? I, I'm a fair weather Hellblazer fan, so blame me. Um, this is all because of me. You know, no, so it's I'm, not even I, the people's fault who doesn't who don't read it. Right. There's no audience, there's no audience, you know? No, but I, I picked this up, and, and one thing I thought was kind of interesting about this, uh, there's two sex scenes in here where uh, Epiphany is having sex with someone. She At first, it was a demon who yeah. she thought was, was John, and then his nephew, and she doesn't know that, or, or she doesn't think that it's John, obviously. She knows who that is, but in the moments before they do the deed, she talks about him smelling like John. And, and I thought that was kind of interesting that, you know, cause we're coming to this point, the book isn't just ending, as you mentioned, it's going to be a new 52 book with uh, Constantine, Constantine number one. Um, Two. Right. So, 
I didn't. So I, I was I was kind of curious whether that was some kind of comments on if she so. if she well if she yeah. no I mean if she if she's the reader, mm-hmm. um, and it's about moving on. Like is you know is it, I mean having a facsimile of John in two different scenes in the same book. I thought that was kind of interesting. That is interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. I thought one of the things that was interesting is I was looking through the book. Sometimes when I'm trying to think of something to say about a book, I just sort of flip through it and I see what I can see. Right. Um, and there's no color in this book outside of Epiphany. The like, blue very hair. drab. Every, the whole thing is, is very drab and brownish. It's very and English. Um, and then her, you know, she's got her blue hair and her pink sweatshirt. Um, and that's sort of one of the only things that really stands out. Or I guess it's a, a rope, a dress. I don't know what it is. It's a it's a piece of clothing that humans don't normally wear, um, which which you'll get in comic books from time to time. <clears throat> but um, I, I noticed that is like she's she's sort of like the bit of life in this. And what's really interesting about her as a character is that he's had all sorts of women and friends come into his life and leave, um, and they've always been usually killed. Usually they end up dying, and that's like his great curse. And that's the you know his whole story is he kept trying to get away from her over and over again. Uh, because he thought she was going to get, you know, she was going to get hurt by him, and, and she never did. She was the one who was strong enough to sort of stand on her own. So anyway, um, as as we get to the end, uh, Gemma. Let's, yeah, let's talk about the end. Gemma, I... who is his his cousin, uh, who he's always been around to help, but they've had a very strange relationship. She was uh, raped and assaulted by his his evil twin demon, um, so she's got problems with him, and she's given the choice to uh, to kill him or not um, with this sort of magical gun thing and, and she she takes the shot and he blows up into a burst of light in london um we we move way up and then we sort of find ourselves on the visual road to liverpool and we shoot down an alleyway and we find this little uh pub at the end of uh, an alley called the long journey's end we shoot in through the door and then we see a bunch of people standing around um and and the very last panel of it you've got uh a, a very withered looking john uh, looking like, for all intents and purposes, like a Keflamir drawing. Um, he's staring <laughs> dead on into the camera, holding a pint. He's got sort of his old duffer's cap, and he's got his jacket, but he's he's also got, he's just sort of dressed that, a little that's more not like his, Is man. that his jacket? It looks like a regular. That's his, No, that's his trench coat. You can't have John without his trench coat. But it's a different color no, through the not. whole book. Yeah, it is. I'm looking at two different pages next to each other. It's I think a, the light in the pub is different. Look when they open the door. It also has buttons where his other coat doesn't have buttons. It looks like just a regular leather coat. I think the whole point is he's a different man there. He's wearing different clothing. It's completely different. Yeah, the jacket. he doesn't have epaulets. You're right. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not. A, it's not a trench coat. It's just. See what I and I read this because I've read. I own a couple of Hellblazer trades, and Josh at one point let me a whole, a whole Garth Ennis Steve Dillon run, which was amazing. Uh, so I picked this up because it was going to be at least talked about in the show, and it's just, it's a big issue. Um, I thought the ending was he was sort of undone, and this is John Constantine as an middle-aged drunk in Liverpool who never had his life as Constantine. I thought that's what kind of what the, punish, the punishment was. That's what I got at. I mean, it's completely silent. This is just me inferring everything. Yeah. But well, know, he's, got- he's, he's, dressed, he's dressed as like a middle-aged guy you'd see at a pub in, in Liverpool, and he looks kind of terrified like he found, he's been found himself in this position. And he had yeah. a similar look earlier in the book when he woke up and got out of bed and realized that this wasn't going to work, this getting back into his life. So... I don't know. I, I don't. I don't know how to interpret it. But it's is he is he reacting to something that he sees? And that I mean that that journey through Liverpool that you talked about the, on the pages before. There are there's um, a girl reacting and a cat reacting. And is that is that John as like smoke pouring through it? Is that 
don't know. I don't know. Is it the reader? I don't know. I don't know how to interpret and, it. Uh, listen, a lot of times with something like this, you could see this as a cop out ending, or you could see it as just not making a choice. But I think that a choice was made. I just don't think they explained it to us. And I, I because it's this character who's never made anything easy for anybody following him. I think that fits. It felt appropriate. For and sure. I like that all of us can sit here and we can talk about it and you can say, here's what I thought. It's completely different than what I thought of, but I can't say, no, that's, that's not right. That's not right. It's, it isn't that. Um, and around him uh, are, are people who I, I know on the left side of him, uh, I think that's a Vertigo editorial. I think that's um, Shelley Bond. Um, Karen Berger is on the right. And I think Will Dennis. And then I don't know who the dude with the mustache is. Um, maybe it's the assistant editor of this book. And then on the right, that's not me. Um, <laughs> although it, I I will say <laughs> it doesn't completely look unlike me um, and I assume that's the creative team especially right. the Italian artist who's wearing a kerchief yeah um, and then I guess Peter Milligan maybe in the middle it, all yeah. the bottles and drinks and everything are, are the creative teams who've worked on this book uh, and, and by the way to look through those names everybody who's anybody worked on this book uh, at least from the sort of British side of things it was a very important book for a sort of upcoming talent uh, to, to break through on. Um, amazing British artists all through there, if you look. So are you satisfied with the ending? Because when we talked about it before, especially the last issue, you said you, you wanted it to end with him giving the two-finger salute to whoever, the reader, to, to the world, to life, or strange. This is that. It, sort of, it went the other way. I don't think he's giving – I mean, I don't think he wins here. It looks like he's lost. No, and I, you know what? I don't think that that's – he never loses. So that's not entirely inappropriate, but it is that that, that is that – that FU is sort of coming at us, the readers, I think, to a certain extent, by not giving us something neat and tidy that we can say, oh, that's it. That's a good ending. That feels right. You know, we're, we're left we're left with a mystery of sorts. Um, and just like David Chase won't explain what the end of The Sopranos was, he says, you know, he says he never will. I don't, I don't want to have this explained to me. Um, yeah, and, and I like it as an ending. I think it's appropriate. I think it, I think it, it fits. And if, you know, this is what we get out of it, good. I I. I don't ever want them to come back and explain it or like the rescue of John, you know, as he, you know, somebody gets sprinkled some magic, magic dust on him and then he gets his other jacket back and he gets back into it. It'd be horrible. What if it's a story about him and Wolverine on the search for their jackets? Well, I don't see how you could say no to something like that. That's true. Now, if you talk about a week where there was a bunch of final pages that punched you in the stomach, saga number 10 from Brian K. Vaughn of Fiona Staples, and we know from many years of experience that Brian K. Vaughn will do this to you at the end of his stories, his cliffhangers. Uh, he, he, pulled, he, he pulled out the old fist and punched it in your gut. Guys, I'm, I'm concerned about the lion cat because um, <laughs> I believe <laughs> that that's the vacuum of space. I can't say I'm all that concerned about the lion cat. I don't, I don't find myself all that attached to the lion cat. The lion cat doesn't look concerned. And I don't know if that's because the lion cat is dead or because no, we don't know the rules of this. It's cool this in the vacuum of space. Uh, uh, I don't know. I think this is one of those things like it, the end of it actually didn't hit me all that hard. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to see where it picks up. You know, the lion cat has quickly become a fan favorite character. And yeah. this was, well, this it, was it something that the, happened. They hit people hard on the website. It is a cat and the Internet. But I think that's like when everybody liked uh, the, the rage the Red Lantern cat, and they're like, mm -hmm. oh my god, and I thought it was stupid. Did you think Lion Cat was stupid? I didn't really care one way or the other. Well, this is great because yeah. I know I'm allergic to cats, and this cat doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't appear to have hair. Right. 
or at least as a short-haired cat, so I'm kind of cool with that. Um, I like that it's not a cuddly creature um, and couldn't really give a fuck uh, based on its expression most of the time. And I just I love the simple rules of the lion cat, that it says liar if you're lying, and that's uh, really enigmatic. And um, Also, a planet gives birth to a thing. That was, that was great. That was my favorite part of the issue because it was just like, let's make this big and let's make this interesting. The other thing is I could sit there and watch the dynamic of the parents and Alana and Marco hang out on a spaceship for a long time. Yeah. I and we that- get the, the great flashback in the beginning to um, when, you know, when they were meeting and when they were sharing books and um, when he was a, a political prisoner and she helps him escape. And that's, that, that, that's, a, that's a great you know, thing to flash back to. Um, and to see their relationship at, in its early stages. From from a from a from a I guess a, a craft standpoint, I think it, it's really interesting how effortlessly um, he's weaving between past and present. There's no there's no little bit at the beginning that says this is then, right? You know, and then and then and this is now. He doesn't have to explain that to us. There's a little bit of a shift in coloring, but you know, if you've been paying attention, you know what it is. It, it's not hard to follow, but. That's a lot harder than it looks, I think. Yeah, it's not hand-holding. No. And I think he, creators often think that they have to hand-hold. Yeah. And that two-page spread with the, with the planet giving birth, that is, that is nuts, though. Yeah, stuff. this I, continues to be the kind of book where it, it surprises you every time, mm-hmm. a little, which is good and exciting. It, it, you don't know which way the character's going to go. You don't know what kind of crazy idea he's going to come up with next. And you really don't know what you're going to get every week, which you can't say about a lot of books, which isn't, you know... Which is fun. It was good. And I like for all the, the, the crazy concepts and, and cosmic stuff going on, like a planet giving birth to a baby and or a baby something and, uh, you know, bounty hunters and cats that can that are, you know, I was going to say human lie detectors, but feline lie detectors. Um, it's a it's still it's a relationship book. Um, and it's all it's all about the character dynamics and, and families and, and in-laws and stuff. And. It doesn't feel like melodramatic, soapy. It's just all of these things come together in this great confluence of, of story and, and, and great characters that you like and even antiheroes that you like. You kind of like almost everybody yeah. in a certain way. Or you at least want to spend more time around them and learn more. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now the, the sixth gun... Uh, I, I, it's an we haven't talked about this book in a while. No, no, we haven't. And uh, I thought it was interesting this week that there was two issues that came out. And I thought for a second that there's Sixth Gun 29 and then there was Sixth Gun Sons of the Gun number one. And I thought, well, is that a reprint? What is that? Is that a thing? And I picked them both up. And uh, not only uh, does this book come out very regularly, um, and it's Brian Hurt doing a, a ton of work. He, they eventually brought on um, uh, Brill Crabtree, I think, to color it and then a different guy to, to, to letter it. But for a while... You know, like he was doing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I realized this week that uh, both of these issues were illustrated by Brian Hurt. The man, can we, can we check on him? <laughs> is he okay? Is there, is there some sort of labor law that Oni is flouting? To keep it, wasn't, him it wasn't full of people doing stories? I thought it was like a, no. like a side project. No, no, it's, uh, it's co-written by Brian Chirilla but it's, uh, and, and Colin Bunn. But other than that, the uh, art team is the same. Uh, and it doesn't suffer. It's uh, you know the same work that we've come to expect. Deal with the devil. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it took place in the desert, which helps. 
<laughs> but uh, basically, uh, the 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 one issue is is fine, you know, is is good. It's sort of the continuing saga of of Becky Moncrief and 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 sort of her hardening against the world as she spends more time around this this evil gun and and uh, she meets again uh, with that Kirby guy who screwed her over and and then she goes you know after for revenge and this is her tough girl episode. Um, and then uh, Sons of the Gun, number one, is a look back at the history of the weapon. Not very far back because uh, these guys are all cowboys also. Um, and and it's another guy who had, you know, the, the one of the guns and how he finds another gun. And, and he's he's a big, bad, mean dude. Um, Bill, no, I didn't get to this. Is the goat in it? Goat. The, the goat who has the wreath of guns. That's – No. One of the early great images from uh, the, the main series. Anyways, no, go ahead. no, that's not. That's not. The, the dude's name is Bill something. He's got a big scary name. Uh, there's a little bit of uh, flash. There's another Bill. Yeah, it's not that Bill. I, th- I oh, thought Billy Goat. He might turn into a goat with a wreath of guns around his neck. Yeah, that's true. I guess that's possible. Um, Heard it here first. But this was uh, <laughs> this was this was actually they're both really interesting. And it's the thing about this book is that. I'll, you know, I'll be honest, I don't tend to think about it that much, and I don't tend to put a priority on it, but pretty much every time I read it, I'm like, you know, that is real good, and I don't, you know, I don't want to put it down, I want to keep going with it, um, and I find that interesting about this book, I'm, I'm thinking about how long it's been around, and now they're, they're doing another... Uh... It's always impressive when a book like this gets as far as that. Yeah. I mean, and that sounds so dismissive, it's but it's true. Yeah. And it's not about the book, it's about the marketplace, and it's always impressive when a book that is independent... And completely not superheroes, and, and and even at this point, featuring cowboys, gets to thirty issues through a company that doesn't really do you series. know series all that often. So, and and, and and you know, if you think about it, Colin Bunn's been around for a long time. He made his career off of this book. Now he's doing lots of work, and this is, you know, not to not to pick on him, but this is the, still the best thing he's doing by a long shot, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah. And it's great that it's still around. But uh, if you were if you were thinking, like, well, I don't know if I want that spinoff. If you like the main book, don't miss the spinoff because it's it's just as good. It just sort of looks. It does that thing that seems like the obvious thing. You always want to go. Well, we've had these guns. They've been around for all time. Let's go back and look at the history of them a little bit. So we're gonna we're taking our first step backwards. And uh, I think it's there's just gonna be more of stories like that, and so they can be anywhere with it. Now, Paul, quick disclaimer on Thor. Right. <laughs> uh, so my disclaimer: Thor, God of Thunder, is one of the books that I write the AR recap scripts for. Um, for Marvel, so um, disclaimer. There you go. But uh, I love this book. <laughs> well, you know, one of the things I really, I really liked this week. I didn't notice it until this issue. And this is Thor: God of Thunder number five. Is that you can see the pencil work through the inks and through the colors? Yes. Yeah. Like in the shadows, you can see where he is taking his pencil and filled in the shadows. There's, there's a couple of things where instead of filling in the blacks, they just left the. Sort of pencil hatch. Yeah, that's what I mean. You can see the you can see it. There's that, that one page where uh, he's you know it's a flashback to when he when he cuts the yep. gore with the hammer. I mean with the with the big axe. And then right. the next page at the very top, you see his Thor's arm sticking yep. out of the shadows, yep. and you can see all the pencil lines. I love that. that that's really interesting because uh, what, what a lot of people might not know is that a lot of times what will happen on a page like that is that the artist just, will just, just put, put the X in. Right, the artist will just put a little X there, and then somebody, possibly not the artist, possibly will literally go in and Photoshop and just bloop, just spot the black. Um, yeah. But here they're just letting... Or the inker will, usually. Yeah, it's a, you know, or, or the, the ink, somebody's assistant. Like, it just, it's yeah. not, it's sort of a grunt job. Um, and really, it kind of should be. You want the artist to be focusing on the more detail work and not yeah. having to fill in, you but know, But it just the makes this feel handcrafted. In mm-hmm. a way, and, yes. and, and and this is a thing where you know our comics have become very 
not handcrafted. You know, a lot of them never even see paper anymore. Right. And so there's definitely something. There's an aesthetic to that that's really even nice. the page before that when 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 he blows up, you can see Thor's rendered all in pencil line. Yeah. I Which like I really that. like. I love the way it looked. It really felt. It feels there's a there's a special feeling to Isad Rubik's art. It's a, uh, it's a it, there's a definite Frazetta ness to it. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. Um, and it fits really well with this in a way that I don't think it did so much on like you know Ultimate Avengers or Ultimates or whatever. So I'm yeah, like just on the edge of of Gore's story, you know, like being able to, to understand what he is and what he's all about. But I'm, I'm still holding on. I, but I just for me, I love. These three takes on Thor. I love old Thor teaming up with middle-aged Thor. That's the best. That's great. And and that he thought he was Odin at first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because he looks very similar, but it's a nope, I'm I'm you, just you know, later. And uh well the the you know, so the weird experience for me, since I'm doing those recaps, is I get to read the scripts first and then I read the issues. So sometimes I get a little bit more detail in terms of proper nouns and stuff for what things are. Um so I, I, I don't I don't want to get into the behind the curtain stuff, but um, but th- that does make it an interesting reading experience. But so I think it's I just think it's a perfect blend of it's like this writer, this artist, this particular topic. It's a it's a just a great perfect storm mm-hmm. of agnosticism and it's uh, and and it's a serial killer story, but it's also. Like mythology, and but on a grand scale, on a like, very, a very grand, cosmic time travel, and yeah, yeah. But he doesn't like. I really like how it's all coming together. I, I think you know, if you just just from the disparate points, and it looked like it could have gotten kind of confusing, but it looks like it's going to come together really nicely. And I also like that Gore is, um, if you know, if like most like good bad guys, he thinks he's the good guy. Yeah, and and I'm not entirely sure that he's completely wrong. <laughs> uh, well, we get his origin story next issue, yeah. so. You can decide for yourself. Yeah, but it's interesting. Does yeah. he? Does he? Do we explain why he looks like Voldemort? Voldemort? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Now, uh, had it not been for the ceremonial uh, importance and uh, and sort of really interesting thought provokingness of Hellblazer three hundred, uh, Baltimore, the widow in the tank, might have been a very very good uh, candidate for for pick of the week. There's uh, a good case for it. Yeah, Bal- you read it, I guess. I did. Thank yes. Goodness. Thank God you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I was, <laughs> I'm right here. I was so I alone before. <laughs> Out. No, I'm right here with you, man. How, uh, I didn't know what this was going to be other than I knew it was a one-shot, but there was basically, uh, we talked about Baltimore before. He's a vampire hunter, uh, World War One veteran. Egg uh, leg. This, yeah. <laughs> this, Egg leg like and harpoon. That was my favorite part of the entire story is that he goes up, knocks in this woman's house, and he comes inside, and it's just a shot of all of his stuff on a chair. Like his, mm-hmm. his, yeah. his harpoon and his, his pack and his gun and his spear, all that stuff. Um, there's two short stories in this one, um, The Widow and The Tank. And The Tank. Uh, and they're both sort of minimalistic, uh, just sort of looks in these stories. that you know he, The first one, uh, Baltimore goes to visit a woman who's, whose husband uh, was probably turned into a vampire uh, in the war. And, and you know, Baltimore's there. To, he kills vampires. That's what he does. It's sort of a spoiler thing. Like if if you see Baltimore, you know, going somewhere, yeah, it's probably a vampire. So <laughs> it, it can can kind of ruin the story for you. But but yeah, I agree that I, I like that it's sort of got that Mignola kind of sparseness to it. That oh. like it's like a haiku. His short stories, it's, and I often like his short stories better than his longer. I'm definitely stories. feeling that. I think when we're talking when we're talking about Hellboy and Hell, we're not. I'm, that's 
you know what that feels like as opposed to what these shorts feel like uh, is very very specific, like very noticeable. Uh, the second story I liked even more. Uh, yeah. The tank. There's just a withered old World War One era tank, which are fascinating looking things just from an aesthetic standpoint. Yes. Um, and uh, there's a vampire who's rumored to be inside the tank. And this is a, a story- neat idea. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the story takes a twist uh, that you don't see coming. Uh, and uh, it, it literally just go out, go out and buy it. It's. I think that story's. Maybe eight pages. Um, just a really is the va- is the tank a vampire? Is that the twist? N- no, no. But maybe there's something worse than the vampire in the tank. Uh, the, a lot of it is spent with Baltimore talking to the vampire inside the tank, and the vampire is sort of like, "I'm not coming out." Basically, there's there's a lot of that, and then uh, they're monsters. It's just kind of a creepy, like you know, it could have been you know a haunted house, but instead it's this little like derelict tank left in the middle of a, ba- of a, of a abandoned battlefield. Yeah. And so it's just a neat idea. It's a neat setting, and 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 it's sort of like that urban legend that the, this this little kid comes and, and asks Baltimore to to help him with this vampire because it's eating all his friends and his sheep. But so. it's all very matter of fact, still. Yeah, that's. Uh, that's I just like if you look at just the first page of that story, the kind of pacing that we're talking about. That that page has five panels, and it's just mm. a close up of a flower, further farther out of the of a field full of flowers. Then you see like a wide shot of the tank with the flowers sort of around it. Then you see a shot of Baltimore sort of walking down the road, and then the last panel is he's just walked past us, and we're seeing him walk away. And yeah. that's that kind of breathing in a page uh, that really sort of that's that's really good mood setting storytelling. And I, I know it's really easy to read past something like that and and not notice it. But the yeah. more I look at things like that, is is one of the reasons I really really like. It. And this is Ben Stenbeck, right? He's he's yeah. for he's one of my favorite uh, you know collaborators for Manuel. Yeah, and he's done all these so far. Mm-hmm. Just a great one shot. This week we had two big new releases from DC: Justice League of America number one and Vibe number one. Justice or, League of America's Vibe number one. I feel like every character should have their team affiliation above the title. So, like when Batman eventually joins all the teams, it'll Black say Justice League, Justice League, The Outsiders, Justice League International is Batman. What if you have double affiliation? What if you're Wolverine? Then you have to have page. all of your, all your it's just, that's, all, that's all you get on the cover. Yeah. Shield in association It's like with. the opening of a film with all the production companies. Right, exactly. Um, so Paul reviewed both these books on ifanboy.com, did it very eloquently, and we'll talk about Justice League of America first. Okay. Uh, from Jeff Johns and David Finch, this is the government's response to Justice League. Of, Justice League. They, they form their own government-backed super team to be there just in case they need to fight Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman, so they're going to throw Catwoman at them. Um, Paul didn't love this. I actually quite enjoyed this, mostly because, okay. as long-time listeners will know, if you put two people around a table with a bunch of <laughs> dossiers picking a team, I will love it. I just wish the people around the table were like the actual team members and not shadowy, you know. Well, Steve Trevor is on the team. He's so, but he doesn't have, he, mm. <laughs> He's got a gun. He's got a bad attitude. He's Steve Rogers when Steve Rogers is boring and not Captain America. He's just (laughs) a dude in cargo pants. I did like the idea that that they're not comfortable with the Justice League team and they want to have their own team. And it is very much uh, shades of the cartoon world, which I did like. Um, It makes sense. It makes sense that that Argus would want their own superheroes. Now, 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 Paul's argument was that it was a bit grim and and self-serious. Oh, totally is. You're cool with that? I'm fine with it. Um, I, it. It totally isn't a lot of that. It has to do with David Finch, who everyone is very tense in his books. 
yeah. everyone everyone has lockjaw. <laughs> everyone um, is straining. Yeah. Um, I think with with another artist, it maybe might have done done better for me. See, the thing is, I you know, people were saying in in the comments I was kind of harsh with this, and and maybe I was. Maybe in maybe another week it wouldn't have been a what I give it a two point five. It would have mm-hmm. been like a three. Uh, certainly not a four, but um, I, I think really it's it's come down to the fact I'm just I'm I'm tired and frustrated with the uh, super serious stuff, and it's just posturing. That's what it feels like, and I, and I think we we should ask a little bit more from our superhero comics that they have a bit more confidence in themselves. And see, I think though that we for the first I don't think it's a lack of confidence. I just think I think it's I, I think, think for the first what... time in a long time we actually get a choice of both. It's just that when you make them all one way, there's going to be a market that are not satisfied by it. And if you make it the, all the other way, then those people are going to be happy. So like, literally, Jeff Johns is doing both things. He's saying, okay, well, you people get this and you people get this. Okay, well, we can, we, we can, we can all agree on the, the Manhunter. It was a great scene. And I, the Manhunter scene was great. I, I do like the fact that I'm going to get John Jones, which we haven't gotten in a while. I do like the fact that I'm going to get some Hawkman, which I haven't gotten a lot in, since the first month of I, I, I think this should be a new origin. They should explain <laughs> I like I'm I, you know Star Girl Star Girl's a great character and it's one close to Jeff Johns' heart so I think that'll be interesting I th- I think the mix is interesting I like than, I like the the roster so it'll be I, I mean I'm Mostly. not I didn't fall hell over heels in love with it I, I did enjoy it though so we'll see how it goes as a counterpoint to Justice League this team was still get its ass handed to him by the regular team but if there was a fight but um so there's that but then one of the members of the team was Vibe who got his own book and I I read this because you demanded it. Reluctantly, I read this. Curse and, your dopeness uh, vibe. I love. I enjoyed it. I love those animated shorts on the Cartoon Network. They've been pushing vibe. Vibe's been getting. They've been pushing vibe. I wish. I wish this was as. Now this was. This wasn't bleak or anything. I just. I wish it was as fun as those shorts, those animated shorts. Um, the thing that I like. I like the vibe has heart, and he, he even has heart in the Justice League of America main series. Um, He's just—he just seems like a nice kid, and he's—and <laughs> um, he's just at the start of a superhero career, and um, he's not, you know, jaded and, and and grimacing as much as everyone else is. And uh, I like his relationship with his brothers. We get—we get an introduction here. Is his origin story is that he was caught in the event horizon of the first boom tube opening of a parademon coming into the new 52 world. And he was trapped along with a spray of Skittles that he was eating. And I don't know if the Skittles have anything to do with his powers. It looked like it. The, the, the emphasis. So they're, they're in addition to the vibrational, rainbows. he he tastes the rainbow. He tastes the rainbow. Yeah. And so he, you, like, so the, the 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 new power set is that he can manipulate reality, sort of, and he's he's like off frequency with the rest of the world. So that's to be for a while. It looks like a superpower is that you can't take pictures of him. He's just blurry. But he has a better power, which is that he can, like, punch you with dimensions. I don't know. It's it's confusing. He's, it's interesting. I, I didn't expect to enjoy it as much as I did, to be completely honest. I enjoyed it. Uh, enough to continue? I don't know yet. We'll see. I like the ending. I like the, <laughs> I like the dun-dun-dun at the end. Yeah. Big giant door with an Omega symbol on it. and They've Dark got Darkseid's Dark daughter. Daughter is in there. We'll see. I, we'll see what the week I like how wacky that again. is. Yeah, I did enjoy that. But uh, we'll see. I didn't. I didn't dislike. I liked it. I enjoyed it. It's hard. It's vibe. I have a. Listen you know, to I you equivocating. I was <laughs> reading comics when vibe was, you know, a person in the world in comics, and, and he it made was a sense joke. in the ridiculous '80s with his 
No, no, that's the thing. Even then, he was a joke. So I ran very hard. It's like they're reclaiming this thing that was silly and they're making it serious, and I haven't gotten around. Of course they are. That's the classic comic book thing. Well, there's I did I I I I dislike the fact that there was no like you know spinning around on his back on some cardboard. He's not gonna he's not gonna be breakdancing because that was the eighties. I I don't. That makes me want to step up movies and all these. You know, I thought they might do something with the dance stuff, but. I think that was really the source of all the jokes about Bob. Anyway, kids, if you're like me, you buy everything short of your groceries on Amazon. Even so if you're doing that, and, and even sometimes your groceries, I was trying to buy some Boylan ginger ale because I can't find it in any damn supermarket in Los Angeles. <laughs> anyway, if you are doing that, you might as well give us a little help by going to ifambo.com slash Amazon. It redirects you to Amazon. It doesn't change Amazon for you. It just does a little redirect. It puts a little code in your thing that gives us a piece of all your purchases. doesn't cost you anything. In fact, it takes money away from them and gives to us. And if you're that kind of person who likes to stick it to the man, this is perfect for you. You help the little guy out by going to ifamware.com slash Amazon and making your purchases through there. And I would really appreciate it because I, I can't do it all myself. That's what I like to say, but it's sadly not a joke. And we can see the weird shit people buy. We just don't know who's buying it, right? Right. The exactly. whole thing? Well, so, I haven't looked in a while, so I don't know if they've changed their back end. But we shouldn't be talking about water. this, right? <laughs> I, I do know we cannot see who buys what. That's no, that's for sure. I'm we just saying see. you can buy porn. We won't know. We'll just we we already know that you're deviants out there. So. I know over the years we've seen some sexy items being purchased, which but we all and which is they don't, they don't have good for all of you. Anyone should be you know should be applauded for getting on whatever big, they're getting on. It was a big box of panties. Whoever out there is buying all those Rubbermaid boxes, we're a little concerned. And the rope, we're worried. Happy number four concluded the miniseries. And I think this is one of my favorite miniseries that's come out in a while. Yeah, it ended nicely. Yeah. Nice being relative. Oh, it ended badly because that's the whole world. But I thought this was a very un-Morrison Morrison story. It was a very, was, but it was a very uh, uh, um, Robertson story. Yes, very much. <laughs> so I was like, well, that was the right guy for this. Oh, perfect. I mean, everything everything is sort of dirty and everyone's kind of fat and unshaven and it's just that everyone's got those crazy eyes and it just, it was fun. It, there was a bit of a strange bit of hopefulness to this to the story that was in, behind the veneer of really awfulness and it, it, it just really, it touched me and that sounds horrible from the subject <laughs> matter, but it, 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 it was touching in a way I didn't expect it to be. What I'm so is the, is the blue uh, pega donkey corn Real or is it a figment of the I read the first Where issue. is John Constantine? We don't know. <laughs> well, it, it, it seems to be it is an imaginary. That's what he's looking at at the end of El Pumped alive, and then there's a blue <laughs> feather that's real. So apparently it was real. Ish. Because the main villain, or one of the main villains, was, was felled by a bunch of imaginary characters, which as you could see in the panel of the week feature. So it was all the imaginary friends come to life. There's power in those. Yeah. There's power in imagination, Paul, which, we, which you know makes sense if it's, you're talking about Grant Morrison. Yeah. yeah. Well, there you, there you go. Now, Avengers number six was funny because I keep forgetting that Peter Parker isn't Spider Man. I don't like Because I, I don't read those books. Um, so, like, when he shows up here and he's a dick to Cannibal, I was like, well, that's a weird choice for Peter. Do they have to do that? that? Yeah. That's weird. And so then I remembered, oh, right, it's not him. But <laughs> I don't like it because it means that someday, if you were ever going to go back and read this, you're like, what the hell's going on here? It's a, the blue Superman thing when you're reading Morrison's yeah. Justice yeah. League. Yeah. True. So, but I didn't. I did. I did. I did like this. I still don't love it, though. I'm I'm losing interest quickly. Mm-hmm. Like I at this point, I don't know why I'm reading. I just hear your voice in my head, Connor, going, "Well, you know, in the end, 
it's going to be good. But I'm and also thinking like, yeah, I know. But if I'm not enjoying it now, what's the point? It's not even it's not even Jerome Pena anymore. It's oddly enough a Cubert drawing like Jerome Pena, which <laughs> I, is really funny. I don't know that I would tell you to stick with it because it'll it'll make sense in the end. Because even though that that was the case with Fantastic Four, uh-huh. you know, I don't know that it was your cup of tea anyway. So I think that's more what I'm getting at. Yeah, I've when, checked out for when now. When is it the Cuberts are are aping? That's weird, right? When do they get middle aged? They have to, to me. Run, they're always like thirty. They have to run the school now. Right. Well, if their dad was ninety, I mean, I'm wa- I, I'm 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 just waiting to get beyond these character pieces. I just want to see what's going on. I, I mean, they're, they're they're interesting. I just don't care really much about these characters all that much. Yeah, I'm getting a little of that. So that's that's where I'm at with Avengers. So you well, got, if, if their showcase doesn't make you like them, you know their showcase. No, I don't dislike them. I just don't really like. I'm happy when Tony Stark shows up. The Avengers app. Oh, hey, someone I like. It you is know? the Avengers. If you're in there for the Avengers, you know, let's let's do some avenging. I don't know. I don't dislike it. I gave it a solid three. You know, it's not bad. I just I want to I want to like it more than I do. Is my demand problem. more for your comics? Well, there you go. Uh, uh, how many issues of this lock and key you got left? Oh, God, I hate, I hate that counter. It's four left until the end. Oh, so it's like Lock a and longer key Omega number three. Um, what I love... This is it, right? This is the final mini? This is, this is pretty much it. Although it's tempered by the fact that they've talked about wanting to do more stuff in this universe. But this family. Is this family, though, yeah. And, and, uh, and sort of, the, you know, the good thing about this is that, you know, coming up to the end in the, in the final issues... Um, they're doing a lot of stuff with the family and, and just character stuff. And there's um, – this is a prom issue. And I got to thinking about, you know, like, uh, Connor, you always mention liking uh, like the baseball issues of X-Men where it's between arcs and they go out and, and, and play a game or something. And um, Or is that Ron? No, that's me and Ron. So, but the thing, Ron, the thing right? is they do that in Lock and Key occasionally. I remember a couple of minis ago they had that issue where – the daughter went spelunking, and the kid, the brothers hung out. There was, there was that one issue where everything kind of slowed down, and that was really nice. Yeah, and but the thing is with this is that it's both things. It's progression of uh, the evil character Dodge's uh, plans to open up a portal into a demon realm. And I'm trying. I'm going to try not to spoil too much because I know a lot of people read this in trade. Um, it's just it, I, I I really like these characters, and um, there's some messed up things that happen to the mom who um, is a struggling alcoholic, and it does not go well for her. Um, actually, uh, Dodge um, uses his shadow people to uh, make her drink like a lot, like he force feeds her booze, mm-hmm. and like as a as a torturing method. And then uh, Kinsey comes home and finds her that way, and is just. She's like, I, I can't believe you, you're doing this to me and, you know, my friends are here and you're just such an embarrassment and I'm ashamed of you and it's not the mom's fault. This was done to her. And so Dodge is just really messing with people and um, it's, a, it's a really evil villain and there's no punches being pulled here and um, I'm kind of afraid to see what happens to this family because I really like them. Is this, would you say this is your favorite series? Right now. I mean, my, my, my favorite Overall, it was the same as yours. It's preacher. Mm. Um, okay, but, I but think, no, yeah, I, I current does that. Yeah, but as a current, it, you know, I, I keep saying it's you know it's my fa- it's uh, the best things on the shelves right now. Um, it's just consistently great. And it's, yeah, it's, Mad Men. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Um, although I like Mad Men too, but but this is uh, you know just Joe Hill and, and Gabriel Rodriguez both. Um, whether they're experimenting or or doing a, a traditional like a really laid back issue um, that involves uh, um, forced booze drinking, um, it's it's just great. I can always count on Lock and Key. Except Guys, when it's gone. I liked Nova number one a lot. Yeah. I did. I don't know. I I wasn't even gonna read it because I'm reading a lot of stuff and you know, I don't really care about Nova all that much, but I thought what the hell, it's it's McGinnis and it's Loeb and they they've worked well together before and it, it I liked it. I liked it. I liked the idea of there's a there's like a elite Nova core with the black helmets and I liked that the setup. I liked the idea that there's this, you know, washed up drunk Nova guy with a son and I liked everything about it. I read six pages and put it down. Really? Yeah. I just felt like I wasn't digging it, so I just stopped. Okay. Well, I I really like the structure of this. I like that it starts off with a flashback to uh, Jesse is the is the father, um, and his his glory days in the Nova Corps with a, a Nova Corpsman who's a lot like Kilowog. Uh, to be honest, he's a tiger guy, but same kind of vibe. And um, and then it's he's narrating it, and then the the he's, kid who's heard Nova the story can't help themselves. <laughs> Yeah, and the 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 kid uh, uh, Sam is um, breaking into the narration because he's heard the story so many times, and um, he's got that that thing, that, you know. There's, there's the, the petulant teen character who has to learn a lesson before he can become the hero, and there's a little bit of that, and that's. Have you met any teens? They're they're all dicks. I mean, I want to read about them. Right. That's. I mean, well, vibe I mean, isn't that, like that. Well, vibe is not as realistic as Nova is. That's true. That's, uh, that's, that's fair. And I, I don't, I mean, it, it didn't make me want to throw the book across the room. It's just, um, but I like, and there is a balance of when he's being sort of petulant and a teenager and when he, he really cares about his sister because she still believes the father's stories about the Nova Corps. And he helps his dad out by and he helps his dad. work. And I really liked the character a lot. I thought, uh, I thought he was, uh, he, I didn't think he was that petulant to be, as, as he could have been. I thought he was actually really interesting. And is the character's name Sam? Sam Alexander, yes. yeah. So he named the he named the character after his son. Yeah. Um, fine, man. I I just you know I get a I get an ultimate comic Spider Man vibe out of this. Um, yeah, I really like it a lot. Vibe. I shouldn't. Um, it's the show for it. But at, so at at the very end, it's sort of the the call to adventure. He's um, his dad has disappeared, and then Rocket Raccoon and Gamora show up at his at his hospital bed because he was skateboarding. That's a little annoying, the skateboarding thing. I guess people do skateboard. But uh, he, he got into a, like a, a coma or something from a skateboarding accident. And um, now they're, I guess, going to ask him to join the Nova Corps, which he didn't believe in. Um, I like the setup a lot. Yeah, and it's really, really, really fun. Yeah. Now, Paul, you're not reading Batman Beyond Unlimited, the collected edition of the digital shorts, right? No, but like whenever I hear you talk about it, I get Why aren't you really excited about it. I know I should be. Because you be. loved the animated shows and even Batman Beyond, which I, I didn't even I didn't even watch. This is like right in that world, and I thought, well, this would what's be happening with Terry McGinnis? And well, what's interesting is this is this is three different stories. It's, it's there's a Batman Beyond story, there's a Justice League Beyond story, and then there's a Superman Beyond story. So every issue has the, has one chapter of each. And huh? the Batman Beyond story, I'm sorry, the um, the uh, this is there's actually four in this one, strangely enough. Um, it starts at the end of. Return of the Joker, that the, the movie. Okay. Like it ends with them taking away Jokerized Tim Drake to get fixed, and and they go bury the Joker, and and it, the the consequences that come out of that, and 
and uh, you know the Barbara quitting because she can't deal with it anymore, and then jumping right. to the future with uh, de- and dealing with the fact that Bruce had this little um, super jail under the Batcave. To not, super, not in jail, super morgue for the dead, super, dead super villains. They don't bury them in normal, uh, normal ways. So they've been burying them under the Batcave, and somebody got in and stole a bunch of things. So that's one story. The next story has been the culmination of the long, super long. Uh, Joker's gang story with 10,000 members of the Joker's gang invade Bat- Gotham City and they've been fighting them and that's been the Norm Brayfogle drawn story with all the old favorites showing up, old Dick Grayson and old Tim Drake and everybody like that and then um, Justice League stories and a, a visit to the Flash Museum because that's opening up again and the, you know and chaos ensues and then there's Superman story where he has been kidnapped to another planet because a long time ago he had liberated the slaves of the planet the slaves overthrew the you know, the slave owners and they, they became tyrants. So now the slave owners have finally found him and kidnapped him for his war crimes. They consider him a war criminal. So this is all really fun, interesting, non-continuity based, you know, animated verse stories. And I think, Paul, that you would really like them. I like that. What I like about Batman Beyond is that it's it's sort of like telling an alternate reality story, but mm-hmm. you can still play it as if it's this is the future. Right. Um, and you get to see like I, I love you know, the, the return of the Joker thing where you get to see what happened to Tim and stuff. And it's just um, daring choices. And right. see, so yeah, I got to get caught up on this. Yeah, check it out. Or just check out the shorts on, you know, online. They're all available there. Cool. So those are the books of the week we want to talk about. You can go to family.com slash comics and make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. And you can also make your own pick of the week choices. And we like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And uh, Paul, why don't you run down that list for everybody? Sure. Number five, Daredevil. Daredevil. Daredevil, number 23, uh, at 7.8%. Four is Thor, God of Thunder, number five, at 10.6%. Three, Lock and Key, Omega, number three, 12.5%. That's a nice surprise. Two, Hellblazer, number 300, 13.2%. And number one, Saga, number 10, at 36.5%. Gotta say, in the the Brian K. Vaughn, Scott Snyder battle, uh, Vaughn's losing a little ground. Yeah. It's a nice, it's a great, great spread though. When four of them are above ten percent, I like to see that. You can go to fmcom slash comics when you make your pull list. You can also write your own user reviews, and we like to highlight some of those in the show. And the first one is from user four hundred years or YRS, and he reviewed Harbinger number nine, gave a story of five out of five, and the art of five out of five, and one point seven percent of you made it your pick of the week. And four hundred years says about Harbinger number nine. Although Harbinger's Valiant's team book, Joshua Dysart has been doing some fantastic character work within these pages. Starting with number six, each issue, each issue has featured the background story of a certain character. This one featured Faith Herbert, who is an overweight, happy-go-lucky type of pop culture nerd. Within the 22 story pages, Dysart does a fantastically touching job carving out exactly what has made Faith who she is today. If you aren't reading this book, you are missing out on a great character-driven action book, although it's pricey at $3.99. It's a nice and meaty read where I definitely feel like I've got my money's worth. It's one of the very few books I will reread a few times before putting it away because it's that good. Valiant's great. They're doing just quietly, sort of steadily in the background, are doing like a new 52 reboot of their characters from, you know, the 90s, like competently though. Like they're doing it in, in, a, in a smaller scale and they let the characters establish themselves in their own books, like Harbinger and Exo Man of War um, and, and Bloodshot and things like that, Archer and Armstrong. And only now are they doing this Harbinger Wars thing coming up. Um, so their, their event, and it's, it's I don't know, it's, if, if you like continuity in your superhero stories, I think it's a good sort of pocket of the, the comics market to check out. Um, Harbinger, I think, is one of the stronger books. Um, I really like this Faith character. 
Um, mentioned in the review that she's sort of, you know, overweight, but a very enthusiastic uh, nerd kind of character. She's like a big fan of Firefly and Battlestar Galactica and stuff like that. And, you know, when we talked about like Snapshot and mm -hmm. how it was a really grating depiction of what a comic fan is. Uh -huh. This is the reverse of that. This is just really refreshing. She just she's very enthusiastic about the things she likes. She just it's all the best things about being, you know, a nerd or a geek if you go into that kind of thing. Um, but it's just she's she's a fan and now she gets to be a superhero. So she's so she's, uh, you know, a bit overweight, but she can fly. She's Zephyr, this character. And um, I don't know. I, I, that's it's refreshing to see something like that where it's not a, you know, look down your nose kind of thing at, at, at nerds and, and comic book readers and um a great female character, great female hero. So uh, check out check out this book. It's good. Well, that's a perfect segue to the next one. I'll I'll actually do this one. Uh, okay. Darkhawk twenty ninety nine read Captain Marvel number ten. Gave a story of four out of five, and the art of five out of five, and zero percent uh, made a pick of the week. Uh, it's amazing what a fresh new coat of paint will do for a good book. After trying and failing to get into the new Captain Marvel series, mainly due to the look of the art, I decided to check back when Philippe Andrade took over the on interiors. And sweet Jesus, am I ever glad I did. Andrade's work and Carlos's, Carol's lengthened hair really gave this book a shot in the arm it needed to go from good to great. During the action panels, uh, his art really jumps off the page and yet manages to stay sweet and grounded uh, during the slower character moments in the issue. The story is great and easy to jump into. It also packs some of the great character moments for a character that I feel is often dismissed when written into events and team books. On top of that, who can resist a cameo by Captain America on a hover bike? Um, I actually saw this exact review on, on the site yesterday and it inspired me to pick up the book on Comics Out. Because um, I, I read the first issue and then I, I can never really get into it. And it, I have the same feelings that it was kind of the art was keeping me away. But I'm a huge Philippe Andrade fan. Um, the John Carter book he did, he did the first one of those Marvel John Carter books. Right. And it's like you don't, you don't see that in, in, in mainstream superhero books. It's just it's, it's a weird science fiction style. It's, it's a European style. And, um, but hearing that that was going on with this character and, and hearing a lot of positive buzz uh, from some of my friends that decided to check it out. It's, it's great. Um, I really like her as a character. And I, yeah. the thing is, the one thing is he sort of mentioned that she disappears in the larger things. And I always felt like she was a really important part of the team things that she was part of for, mm -hmm. for a long time. I, I feel like she's a character that gets respected, but, but her, her, you know, solo books never went anywhere. For I feel like they were definitely trying to push that reasons. in events. <laughs> Like a lot of the Bendis stuff, they're really trying to push her as an important character. And but she always has been, as long as you know, at least in this last sort of era of the Avengers, whatever the last ten years or so, like she's always mm -hmm. been, you know, very powerful and big deal. Even going back to like was it Busick's run, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. yeah, way back then, the Warbird stuff. Yeah, yeah, but what what I what I really like here is that it's it's a superhero who can't is grounded. She can't you know she can't fly, and everyone's telling her to to take it easy and stuff and. You don't ask someone like that in that position, a, 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 an experienced seasoned superhero and, and, and a female superhero, too, who's, you know, sometimes second in line to the guys. So um, this, is a, this is a strong woman and she wants to do what she does and she's being asked not to. Um, and it ends in this great battle and that art is so good. And with the oh, Jordi wow. Belair colors, it's just... It is good looking, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm on board for this. Wowzer. All right, so you can go to slash comics. You can rate and review your books and write a user review and uh, hopefully get it on the show. Let's do an email as we're rapidly running out of time on the show. Uh, the first, our email actually is from someone who'd like to remain anonymous, and you'll see why in a second. He's, he writes and says hmm. There's one comic shop in my town, and for the past years, I have maintained a weekly pull list. 
This evolved into also giving the owner an order list for the month from the monthly previews catalog. The problem is, I don't always get the books I ask for. Each week, things I order are either not on my pull list, but are on the shelf, or they were just never ordered. Each month, I end up getting about a half dozen books from an outlo- online retailer to make up for the gaps in my pull list. I want to support local businesses, but at the same time, I want all my books. I enjoy going to the store each week and enjoy talking to the owner and being a part of the local comic community. I hate to give that up. What advice do you have? Now, Connor, I know how you used to feel about this in the few, in the past. I'm curious where you are on it now. About what? I just, just you, you're, what your relationship is with your retailer. I think it's the same. Yeah, I don't have any relationship with my retailer. You don't want one. You want no <laughs> I don't want one. No, I don't want one because I, I don't. I don't agree with the way comics are the market is is run. I don't agree with having this pre order. I don't agree with having being you know stores making you tell them what you're going to buy in advance. I don't agree with any of that. So I don't you know I've, in the last two weeks I've gone to two different stores to buy my books because they were more one was more convenient for the other than from week to week. So I don't ever want to be stuck from buying at one store. Um, you know, but that being said, I understand why people do pre order and I understand why they, you know stores want to do it. What I don't agree with is if you don't if you do take an order. And you have to fulfill it. And if he's not fulfilling it, that's the major problem I see here. Yeah. Well, it sounds like he's in constant contact with the guy, you know, giving in previews and stuff and and orders and everything and coming in week to week. Just have a conversation and say, you know, some things are missing here. And I mean, you don't have to give the guy, I don't, you know, have an ultimatum and say, if you don't, you know, you know, if you don't get this right, I'm going to go to digital. Um, just make it or clear that digital, stuff is know, missing. You, can, you know, DCBS is right. business over people who don't have shops or good shops around them. Right. Well, I'm oh. saying you don't, don't, you know, don't be threatening. Just be like, some stuff is falling through the. At least at first, you know, stuff is falling through the cracks. The thing I'm ordering this stuff. The thing that's happening here is that what you've got is a business relationship that's being mixed up with a personal relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the kind of thing that can happen, like with the person who cuts your hair or the person who you know does whatever. Like you're actually. Because you have like this sort of more casual relationship, you go in there, you'll talk comics, whatever. They're actually not doing the business part of it the way that you want. They're not living up to your expectations or possibly, I guess, their promises. Because if you're and going through the effort of pre-ordering and filling out the friggin' forms and everything, uh, you know, you should have all that stuff. And because because it's the only shop in town, he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. No one, there's no competition for his business, uh, in, at least in this in in person and. You know, a lot, and it's sad, it's sad to say a lot of comic stop owners aren't good businessmen. And so it's not surprising that he doesn't run his business very well. Uh, you lot. know, so it, it really, it's up to, you know, the, it's one of those things when you have a relationship with somebody, you know, nothing's perfect. You know, you, you take the good with the bad. Like, what's more important to you? You want to make sure you get all the books you have. You, are you afraid of hurting the guy's feelings? You got to make those calls. Um, and the, Connor, I mean, that's the thing that you want to avoid. You just want to go get your book somewhere, and I don't want to have a thing and and uh but some people like that some people like that regularity of it uh you know i do i know the guys who run my store they're friends of theirs uh all at the same time though i don't have a list i don't pre-order i don't do any of that stuff because that was i was up front with that when i when i came in like i was like i want a shop that just has all of the stuff that i would want otherwise okay. um i don't know it's I think tough it's, and it's tough i mean i think that you you confront him not even in a bad way, but if you confront him, the, the, the risk you run is losing the social aspect of it. Yeah, um, but you know what? That'll probably fix itself. Yeah, yeah maybe. So, so, Josh, you reminded me. I, I want to give some love to Kadera at the uh, hair cuttery in Willow Grove. Uh, you're right about the Redkin. Thanks. <laughs> so, yeah, Anonymous, yeah, you should, you should, if you haven't already, say something. Say, hey, I've been getting books I've been ordering. You know, what's the deal here? I don't, I don't want to have to order online and uh, see what, see what that, see how that goes. You know, don't, don't, don't make it a big 
you know, confrontation, we just point out that you've been ordering things and not been getting them. If you've been paying for them, not getting them, then you got a bigger problem. I just don't know how that works because I've never, never done it. But I don't know if you pay up front for or what or how that goes. But that's when you got to burn the place down. So oh, yeah. get some friends, have a conversation with them, talk to them about it, and say you're not happy that your order has not been fulfilled, and you know, figure get out some why. Some V for vendetta masks. Yeah, and, and that's cocktails. your last resort. You can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. And uh, so we had to skip the voicemails because we're running late on time. But if you, in the future, if you want to call us, 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697. If you have any questions or we want to get your discussion topics on the show, that's where you do it. And we also have other shows, yeah. Paul and yes. Josh. Uh, <laughs> let me talk about Make Comics Podcast first. That's me and Andy Schmidt um, uh, doing talking about making comics. Uh, it's, it's single-handedly the thing I get the most comments on these days is uh, people who are uh, looking to break into comics, and we, we'll pick a topic. A lot of that stuff's based off uh, user emails at this point now, and uh, we'll talk about um, some aspect of, of making comics, whether whatever part of it you want to work in, um, and that uh, comes out on Mondays mostly. It's going to be Mondays if it comes out. Uh, but but that's not all, is it? I got some I got some splodes heading your way. Uh, we, we got you a book splode on, uh, on Planet Hulk by Greg Pak and a whole host of artists, and that's with uh, Jim and Ryan and Timmy. That's coming soon. Uh, 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 for those of you who may not have been around, the book splode was our uh, – we haven't done it in a few years, I don't think. It was our, our show about uh, – we, we pick a book. We pick a work, uh, a longer work of comics, and we have a long, in-depth conversation on it. So This is back in the halcyon days, yeah. And then uh, we also have uh, a talk splode, you know, talk splode. Uh, it's a longer interview, and uh, I'm going to be talking to Gabriel Hardman and uh, Karina Becco about their upcoming Star Wars Legacy Prisoner of the Floating World, a uh, big Star Wars book coming out from Dark Horse at the end of March, so that's coming soon as well. And you can find all of those shows as well as uh, Josh's Bick of the Week review and the upcoming Book of the Month review at ifanboy.com where we do discussions on the weekly daily news and we got daily columns, all kinds of fun stuff happening there. In addition to ifanboy.com slash about, which is our staff page where you can find our social network links where you can be our friend online. And you can follow all of that at twitter.com slash ifanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy. And you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com or leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys That's 326-2697 with any questions, comments, concerns, discussion, topics, etc. As we've said many times before, if you like this show, please go leave a review on iTunes for this show or any of the other ones that we have. Um, also, in addition to that, you know, whenever you see anything on the site or if there's something about uh, anything we do that, that tickles your fancy and you want to get the word out there, we, we encourage you to please do so. If you put it on your Facebook page or share it or tumble it is that the word is that the verb that you would use for that the, to tumble something yeah with like an apostrophe yeah 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 so do that do that but yeah uh, you guys uh we have we have no advertising budget uh, street team i'm gonna be honest with you right up front there is there is no money in the advertising column so that means it's your job and uh we thank you uh those of you who've done it so well in the past and please keep it up thank you well another week <laughs> another week a little older than before until next time, which will be another week older, I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I will literally be older next week. Uh, yeah. I think we'll all be you? literally older. Yeah. Well, yeah, but <laughs> science. Numerically. I'm older right now than when I said that a minute ago. Not the relativity of it all. Anyway, I'm Josh. Here remains.